0: And grab a pen. You're going to want to write this down. Hello, my favorite listener. Thank you for being here today. I'm really excited to share this episode by inviting my friend Katrina. She's going to help us talk about a really cool subject. This is Katrina Da'Aka, SCMP. She's the owner and lead consultant for Kanetka, Canada's first Filipina, Canadian-owned supply chain management consulting company. In 2021, Katrina assumed the role of Vice President of the Manitoba Filipino Business Council as part of the council's first ever Women Majority Board, love that, and is a chairperson for Cultivation FAMD, a grassroots volunteer-driven group that promotes the modern cultural scene in Manitoba's Filipino community. A 2014 Asper School of Business alumna, Katrina majored in supply chain management and completed her supply chain management professional designation SCMP in 2017. In her almost decade-long supply chain, and she's so young, so she must have started when she was like seven, decade-long supply chain management career, Katrina held previous positions in public and private procurement, lean process improvement, and project management. She's the past board member for Supply Chain Management Canada, Manitoba Institute. And through her work as a purchaser... She recognized her obsession with the negotiation process, so that's what I'm super excited to talk about. We're going to talk about negotiation because this is an important talk for women to have. So, good morning. How are
1: you? So good. I'm so excited to make my podcast debut. Here You're right. on your podcast is not any other podcast. I want you to make my big debut on anyone. So, so, right on.
0: So happy for you to be here. <laughs> So, a little bit about you. Tell us about you. I've said so much, but like,
1: tell us more. Uh, well, like you said, almost decade long career in supply chain management. And yeah, the piece that I really. Loved in all of this, like I was a purchaser for again, like almost a decade, eight years. So I was working in public and private procurement. So I started off at the University of Winnipeg and Manitoba housing. And I was doing purchasing there and we were buying all kinds of crazy stuff at the U of w. Like I was buying bugs and rats and mice and negotiating contracts for things like furniture and services. And then fast forward a couple of years, I made the switch into private industry. Where I was negotiating multi-million dollar contracts, buying raw materials, and like a spend portfolio of 30 million annually. So it's a lot of fun, uh, the negotiation piece of it, especially when you're dealing with other people's money. (laughs) Not my money, it's a lot of fun. But it's still a lot of fun when it's, when it's my money too. But yeah, I, I really love all of the nuance around negotiation. Like it's very fascinating to me. That, that's interesting because I feel like most
0: people are scared of it. I'm scared of it. And a lot of like anyone I know, except maybe a
1: couple of men are are not afraid of it. Exactly that. Or are are afraid of it. And I think that's why I lean into it so hard is because it just feels like there's no reason for me to be good at this. Like I'm this little tiny Filipina in a room negotiating with a bunch of white men usually and there's no reason, really, that I should be good at this, which sounds silly to say out loud, I know, but I think that's why I'm obsessed with it. Because I, I think that's fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> I love it. And I remember the first time you mentioned it, and I, I mean, it was through conversation mm-hmm. sometime, and it was like, what the hell? What? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. That And it, that's your thing, right? That's the sweet point. Yeah. So, And there's something about being just right off the hop underestimated just yeah coming into the room as who you are right yeah um, and then i don't know and I, then love, I love the winning i love <laughs> i love winning even like timing <laughs> negotiations i love i love the thrill of that
0: okay so you were a purchaser and i think you said you bought like bugs and rats and stuff yeah. <laughs> let's that why i like what the heck not nearly as interesting <laughs> So you're you're purchasing items for or piece or products or I'm not going to get the terminology right but when does it come to negotiation because the way that I look at making a purchase is that's the price you make the payment Mm -hmm. so where does
1: negotiation come in. Well, it's, this is a fun supply chain question actually, because a lot of times we see purchasing as very transactional as you describe it, but a lot of times the value add for uh, like, ultimately we're trying to add value to our customers, right? Like that value prop. we're always trying to increase either the functionality or decrease the cost of something. So when we bring in our suppliers on a long-term basis, maybe through the design process of a new product, or again, anything that's longer term, a bigger contract, we have to negotiate all these little terms so that we can have these relationships with our suppliers that actually allow us to do work, right? Because sometimes we bring in suppliers for these long-term contracts. uh, We don't set the right expectations. We don't negotiate all the little bits and pieces. And then when it comes to the day-to-day interactions with our suppliers, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, I have no leg to stand on. I can't hold these suppliers accountable because we didn't agree to something at the onset of it. So negotiating is, yes, it's a very price focused all of the time. Like we have to manage our costs, but there's actually so many more items around it that make the negotiation a lot more interesting. Like that's where the creative side of um, negotiating comes in. It's everything outside of the price, which is true in like the day-to-day negotiations too.
0: Mm-hmm. So Interesting. So just for the listener, maybe I sh- could have started it with this. <laughs> if you could just like quickly explain what is supply chain? Because I, I, I had to Google it. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I'm a
1: teacher. I'm a supply chain teacher, so I can just talk about this all day long. But in the simplest way that I can describe it, like just think about anything that you own, anything that's in front of you, like this pen. This pen is in front of me. It has an interesting supply chain. Well, interesting to me at least. An interesting <laughs> supply chain story. So, There's minerals that were probably extracted from the ground and raw materials to make all the little bits and pieces. It was purchased by someone, assembled somehow, there's an operations to it. So everything that happens to get that pen from its nothingness, so point A to point B, which is us consuming it, all of the thought and process around it, that's supply chain. So I have counterparts who work in transportation, who like the movement of things my career has been very focused in the purchasing side of things. We have like operations people um, within that, but that really fascinating stuff. Or like mm-hmm. think about a grocery store, like you go to a grocery store. It's got like a hundred thousand different items in there. Like how did they all get there perfectly in mm-hmm. time and in stock? Right? right. Like all of those considerations. So there's people working behind the scenes, making it all very seamless. Like we're all behind the scenes mm-hmm. people, which I kind of love too.
0: That's it's, It is. It's super cool. It's, it is fascinating. I remember you talking about it one time and you were like, oh, like this is me just nerding out on it. And I'm like, I love that. Like, I, First of all, <laughs> I love when women nerd out on their thing. Yeah. And then second of all, like I honestly am fascinated by that, but I'm glad that you're spending your time doing that. Enough but like, like not enough to do it.
1: to do it. And yeah, I'm a huge nerd about it. And same thing, like I love the other nerds, like the respective nerds. And that's another fun thing about purchasing is that you become a nerd in whatever commodity you have to buy. So I was buying raw materials. I was buying uh, metals. So I became a huge metals nerd for two years of my career, like buying aluminum and steel products. So love that about purchasing is that... To be an effective buyer, to be an effective negotiator, you have to know the commodity. So mm-hmm. you just become really hyper aware mm-hmm. of different. Now I go into spaces, I'm like, ah, oh, that's an aluminum, <laughs> you know, like I'm just, uh, yeah, I see it everywhere I go. Now. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so for negotiation skills, do you think anyone can do it? Of course. Yeah. It's like, it's like anything. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to practice it. It's
0: a you know,
1: muscle you have to exercise and, Mm-hmm. work on but I think it's something a spill that can be built on and what what would you say are some of your
0: earlier experiences like some of the earlier wins oh some of the earlier
1: wins that's interesting I mean there's lots of little work wins that happen and for me like the the mark of a good negotiation to me is like when I can call on a person or a relationship or a thing in my crisis, right? So if I've set up that relationship up to the point where it's like, hi, I usually need a tiny favor from you, but today I need a huge favor from <laughs> a supplier. Um, and they're willing to do that. Um, I think a lot of times that's like a successful mm-hmm. negotiation. There were times too, where I'd have to negotiate again, like longer term contracts, with just like really grumpy old salespeople. And those ones are almost like my favorite too. Because they <laughs> just like they just take a lot of finesse and a lot of work. And it's just understanding how to deliver a message to that person. Because at the end of the day, I'm gonna say the same thing to two different salespeople, but I'm just gonna package it differently. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but mm. I think some of the small ones to come in the personal um, negotiations, like the first I bought my house or like even all of the furniture for that house to like negotiating, I don't know, like the delivery terms for things or trying to buy the floor model at every <laughs> at every furniture place that I went to, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like all of these little micro moments where you self-advocate for yourself, right? I think is what really builds the confidence around it.
0: And I think that's why I like it, because of course they coach on using your voice, having confidence using your voice. And so negotiation is like to me, I feel like that's such a powerful tool, and I wouldn't say I'm a good negotiator. so so let's talk about women in the audience, women listening to this podcast who want to negotiate some common things might be the furniture display, right the floor <laughs> display it might be a new home, but it also might be, and this is where it's touched very often, is at work, when you or you're applying for a job or a promotion. And people are asked, how much are you expecting for the salary, right? And and I think that's a place to negotiate. And I think it, there's a lot of things that go into that. Your comfort with money, blah, blah, blah. Like there's so much, but it's negotiation. So what's on your mind when I say that?
1: (laughs) There's so many layers to this almost as you're you're starting to allude to some of them, right? So, when we think about women negotiating their salary, and this conversation has come up pretty often in the last couple of weeks for some reason, but I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Because the message is calling you. It is, it is, right? You were, it's, wow, the alignment. Yes. Yes. Chills, I got chills. Yeah, so there's lots of layers to it, right? It's like we go into these negotiations and we don't have that strong sense of self-worth or self-confidence, which is almost silly because if you're at the point of an offer with an employer, they want you, Yes, they want you, yes. they're not checking references, they're not going into negotiations with candidates that they're not already very much willing to give an offer to, right? So at that point, they already want you. So you have a lot of leverage here. And some of the big mistakes that I see is not asking for enough because when you think about your salary at the onset of a job. Okay. So let's say I stay in this job for five years. If I leave $10,000 on the table right off the hop, right? So I ask them for 90,000. They say, Oh, actually the salary for this is 70. It's like, okay, I really wanted 80, but okay. Like we'll settle for 70. And that $10,000 that I was looking for left on the table, whatever it compounds over those five years. Right. So let's say I successfully negotiated $80,000 right at the onset. I would have had that $10,000 in the first year, in the second year, all of those five years, plus whatever new raises I get along the wow. way. So it's like, it's so, so important to get it right at the, at the very beginning right. because it's so hard to get that money now there and to also get like a $10,000 rate. It's so hard because now your leverage is completely gone you're already working for the company unless you have another offer to leverage against which mm-hmm. like is possible it's really really hard to just go to your boss and say hey i actually am worth ten thousand dollars more right so right. it's better to over negotiate wow that's interesting i love how you said
0: like just left it on the table and then having it compound yeah. over the next because it's years. not just ten thousand
1: dollars it's over the time that you're at that company, right? And again, like your raises might go with inflation. Sometimes you get raises below inflation and you're actually getting a pay reduction at that point. So I really think that it's so so important to get it right, right at the beginning.
0: Holy shit, like my mind is blown. (laughs) So often I've heard this and maybe you've heard this from women also, when they're at that point applying for a job and maybe the The salary conversation is still happening, but you're right. Women start doubting their value because before they have even started the job, so they've got the offer. So they basically have the job, right? So that's step one. Step two is negotiating the salary and coming to an agreement. And it's during that point where women already are like, oh, can I, can I even do that job? Like then they're doubting themselves. And
1: it's like, you have the job. Just ask for the money. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. And even if you throw out a number that is outrageous, right? Like, I have gone into salary negotiations where I'm asking for maybe thirty thousand above what I would comfortably accept because I don't actually know where their range is, right? And that's probably my very first piece of information: is don't be the first to give a number out. As much as possible, put it off as much as you can. Like you can say things like, okay, well, what have you budgeted for this position? Or is there a range that you have budgeted for this position? Or, you know, I really need to know more before I can give you my first salary expectation, right? Mm -hmm. Like put it off as much as possible. If you can get a number from them first, do that. Because again, that is a really huge way that we leave dollars on the table, right? So if the the employer Mm -hmm. has 80K, budgeted for it and we say well i'm looking for something around 60 of course they're going to tell you the job right, pays sixty, right. right okay so what are some more ways that women can say that so you
0: just said what is your budget what have you mm-hmm. set aside yeah like what is the salary range for this position what is budgeted for so this? so what person? is the salary range i feel like that might be
1: a good a good question to ask that i i think people would feel comfortable asking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow yeah and also too if you're you know, put on a spot, you absolutely have to give a dollar amount. Don't give a single number, give a range. And again, depending, sometimes I give a really big range just to... Right. I'm kind of a brat too. It's like, well, the range is (laughs) 90 to 120. And it's like, well, okay. So, but also whatever lower range you give, they're going to try to hit you there. So it's like, keep the range outside of even what you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Again, if your goal is 90K ask for 1 to 120, right? Yeah. Because then you've already set yourself up for like, okay, well, if they don't hit me on this, then you're setting yourself up for the other chess pieces that come after, right? So typically we're talking about salary first and foremost. So again, let's say our goal is 90K. I'm asking in the interview, they've bullied me into giving a range. So here's my range, 1 to 120. Now, when they come back and say, oh, well, actually we only have 90,000 for the job. Here's where I get to come back and say, okay, how about we do... 95, but I need two extra weeks of vacation, or I need. Oh my god, it's been how how long have I been out of a corporate job? I'm like, what other what other pieces can you negotiate? Uh, yes, yeah, I, well, I guess benefits. Yes, yeah. uh, like the benefits are cornered. Like, corner exactly. like the all of the other extras. Like, oh, education is a big one too. It's like, okay, well, I want you to pay for my designation that costs X amount per year. And you have the top up education that needs to happen for that, like a lot of professional designations will have like continuous development Mm -hmm. requirements. So like, I need you to pay for all of my education or whatever it is. Right. Because Mm -hmm. now it's like the employer on their side of it, they know that they haven't met your salary expectations. So they better meet you on these other items now. Mm -hmm. But if we already are accepting them at like 80,000 below what they have budgeted, it's like, they don't have to give us anything else. Right. Because if we're, if we start off with like almost an outrageous, ask on salary, at least it's like, well, you disappointed me here. So how about you give me four weeks of vacation instead? And I actually did that uh, when I, my last job, they came not too far under. They actually met me pretty much right where I want to get paid, but I still negotiated for mm-hmm. um, a vacation, which was unheard of. <laughs> she oh was my like, God. She's like, we don't give anyone four <gasps> weeks here. And I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> but again, like, like who you're talking to. I know. And I think later we'll talk like prepping for negotiations and understanding power structures. Um, that's a huge one. Understanding the power structures within um a negotiation. But like they had approached me for that job. I wasn't trying to leave my current job. They had like found me and was trying to approach me from my other job. I'm like, okay, well, I'm working for the government and I have yeah. four weeks of vacation. So yeah. I'm not leaving unless right. you give me four weeks of vacation. So. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's so cool. So one of the, the questions before we kind of, before I get to my next question mm-hmm. that I want to ask you about is, so I haven't had an actual job Okay, <laughs> for, like, for like seven years or something. And sometimes when I say that, I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I still fucking do this. I this that. I love that. This is awesome. I love it. I know, but I remember having to negotiate a salary and there was a whole bunch of stuff in it. It was my first time working for a firm and a firm sounded so fancy and there were a lot of perks downtown Winnipeg. I had a parking spot that was like mm. warm in the winter. I had an expense account. I I had just like all these perks that to me were just like, like, what the hell is this? Like, this is the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And I remember having to negotiate my, uh, like how much I was going to get paid because it, I don't know, it was, it was kind of complicated. And it was the first time for me to be in that sort of situation. And I remember I was getting like a percentage of some parts of work and then I was getting a flat rate. And I remember asking for the flat rate to be a lot higher and I I was not ready to negotiate. I was just like throwing a fucking number out there (laughs) to see what was going to happen. I mean, they did come back with all of the perks kind of thing, which I really did enjoy because this is my first time having anything like that. But they really made me feel like the number that I was asking for was ridiculous so of course I back down. I was like, oh, because I I don't know how to do this anyway.
1: So like, what would you have done in a situation like that? That's funny. Hey, when you read the immediate reaction on someone's face, and they're like, I'm sorry, what did you? What number did you just say to yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it too. What's What's funny about a lot of scenarios that women are in? It's like we're just immediately invalidated with a reaction, right? And she's like, okay, but I actually think that I'm worth something close to that. And then you start to believe it, right? And then you start to believe it. Like I can understand that sometimes and also always like corporations will have a certain budget for things and yeah, okay, maybe it is really not feasible for them. But yeah, those are the times where it's like, okay, how can we meet halfway on this? Right? So, okay, here's the number I gave. Here's where you want to be. Where can we meet halfway? Because if it's not going to be on the flat rate, it's going to have to be on something else. Or if you can come up on the flat rate a little bit. Again, maybe there's something else that you can like, reduce or increase or yeah. whatever to meet me halfway on this, but I can't do it for the flat rate that you're asking for.
0: So basically just making the decision, right? So some more context, I had no idea what number to use and I had come from uh, nonprofit work, which mm. nonprofit work, the way that I had experienced it was always like we work for free. <laughs> right? Like oh. like you don't work for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And so that was my experience. So anyway, that was that was a really powerful response. I like how you said women are immediately
1: invalidated by that initial response. Like that's so true. I that I felt You don't that. have to say any words. It's like a look on someone's face, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's in all of these moments where we start Believing that when we start doubting ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And the person who's on the other side of the table, they don't mean that. They don't mean anything by that. But yeah, it's almost, um, it's really discouraging to just sit across the table and say, hey, this is what I'm worth, and for a reaction to be like, oh, <laughs> you're crazy. <right? laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, maybe I am. I don't know, but. But I'm fucking worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So, where I want to kind of take our conversation is speakers fees, because of course I work with speakers and people will send me DMs often saying, I'm offered this much money for this job. What do you think? And for all kinds of things, for employment and for speakers fees or just, you know, any kind of fee. Do you get stuff like that? Do people contact you for that? Yeah, sometimes. After this podcast, they'll do it more. (laughs) But I do, I get... I. Like sometimes unbelievable DMs like, (laughs) but that's one of them. And so I think that when you're talking about like salary and money that you're worth, I think a lot of like, there's a lot of things that go into it when it comes to like your relationship with money, believing that you're worthy and worthy of money, maybe the industry. And I guess that's, you know, one of the questions that I'll I'll hold here for a second Mm. is, you know, How much does the industry matter? But when it comes to speaking, I tell people, like, pick a number that you want to start with, see how that feels, and then you go with that. Because I've sat on boards where we have hired speakers everywhere from $500 to $90,000. And I eventually want to be that ninety thousand dollars speaker. Jeez, ninety thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, there may have been one that was over a hundred thousand. Now that I think about it. But my very first speaking gig was I was an MC for a full day conference, and I was invited to do it, and I'd never done anything like that before. But I was super excited to do it, and they gave me an honorarium of three hundred dollars. And I was stoked because I was like, I'm getting $300 to stand in front of this whole audience. And I get them like all day. Like I was stoked. But today, like I would not do that work for $300. Like my fee for that is minimum $4,000 for a day. Like I just, I can't. So, <laughs> so I always say to people for the experience of speaking, I always recommend to everybody start speaking for free because you need the experience. You need to build up that, credibility that confidence and all of that so what do you think of that when when I say pick a number and feel it out what does industry have to do with it what do you think of, of that yeah
1: I actually wrote down the word feels <laughs> as yeah. you said it, I was like yeah that's I like the way you put that because if someone dms me and exactly same, like okay here's this offer I got $500 for this blah blah I don't know I don't know mm-hmm. if that's good or not like again go with your but for part of it, pick a number and see how it feels, right? Because one of the things that will come out after, like in the lessons learned of all of this is like, okay, so think about all the time it took for you to prep, do all of this, your travel time, everything involved. Okay. Does that $500 make sense? Right. And it's like, you're not going to know unless you do it a couple of times. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I also like the idea of doing speaking engagements for free to get your repetitions up, right? Like you need the practice, you need, to get to the point where, okay, I understand what this takes. And again, does $500 or whatever number make sense at that point. And there's one thing, I mean, it's always about the power structures, right? So like if someone approaches you to come speak for something, it's like, okay, you probably have leverage to ask for a little more if that was their offer. Or again, if they're just offering an honorarium and you're taking it for practice. Yeah. Like, every single scenario is going to be completely different. Like there's not going to be one set rule of negotiations for you every single time, but it is like, you have to know yourself. You have to know the people that you're working with and yeah, go with your uh, on Mm -hmm. certain things. Mm -hmm. So some of the
0: things that I'll negotiate right now is if they can't pay me my speaker's fee and, and I'm really like, my heart is there, right? I want to do this work. First getting paid for it is important to me and to, to anyone who wants to speak to, to their audience. But I do this every once in a while. I'm like, where was my head going? I have done work before where I put out a price and did the work. And while doing it, the whole time I was resentful because I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not getting paid enough to do this. And I'm putting my whole... my whole spirit, my whole body is in this. And I just, that's when I recognize it's time to raise my fee or do I continue to do this work? Like this, whatever particular topic or anything like that. So have you used that before? Like when it comes to you for negotiating a fee for something like a speaker's fee, how would you go about it?
1: Yeah. I've definitely felt that it's just been a year since I started consulting and there are definitely been moments like mid project where I'm just like, wow, I severely underestimated the scope for this. And yeah, I'm feeling like resentful also that I'm diluting my hourly wage by spending way too much, not even just time, but like brain capacity and energy into this or it's like extremely stressful or whatever. And yeah, those are the lessons learned at the end. It's like, okay, I probably should be charging twice as much <laughs> for this work. I don't know. For the notes that I have here, it's like when you're negotiating for anything, but like for a speaking engagement, like the success in it, your power in it is all in your preparation. So there's one side of knowing yourself. So like knowing your self-worth, your confidence, self-value, like all of the, all of the layers that go into it, but also like what makes you special? What is this message? Why is it so important to that audience? Mm-hmm. Right? Like there is, again, what is your value prop? And then understanding who you're negotiating with. Right? So what is that power structure? Did they come to you? Did you approach them for that speaking engagement? Are you already at the point where they can't get anybody else? Right? Sometimes we end up in these, I don't know. I've done a couple speaking engagements where it's like, okay, we haven't talked about dollars, but we've had three meetings already. Mm. Um, and sometimes at that point, I'm just sending the invoice, right? Like, because yeah. I know you can't do this without me anymore. And right. I'm just not even going to ask you. I'm just going to send it.
0: That's a really good question or a really good point that you made. I I think I've learned that too by being all of a sudden you're a part of a committee to make this event happen. And you haven't talked dollars so what I've learned in that case is exactly what you said. Like bring it up early, send the invoice, mm-hmm. and then also another thing that I do, and you probably do this as well, is committee time is billable time. <laughs> like that yes. just, because you're committed yes. to an event as a speaker or mm-hmm. another part of engagement, it doesn't mean that you have to attend the meetings
1: on your own time. No, no, and. I don't ever give an itemized list when I send like a quote or an invoice, but I make sure to bill hours for meetings. Right? Mm -hmm. So I recently did a panel talk for supply chain Canada uh, a couple months ago. And exactly that, like the talk itself is only two hours, but there were three to four prep meetings before then, things I had to prepare. And at this point, the minimum that I'm charging people is $100 an hour. So it's like, there's my meeting time, the prep time, and then the actual event itself. Like we're not just charging for the two hours, right? You're charging for all of the reps, all of the expertise, all of the time that it took you to get as efficient as you are. Uh, up into that point, and there's something that I saw recently where it's like we don't really bill per hour um, because you're almost punishing me for being efficient at what I do, right? So if I've got this talk and it's I've nailed it, I know exactly what I'm talking about, I can get prepared for it very quickly. I don't have to take a lot of time just because I don't have billable hours up into that point. Like you're paying for that efficiency, right? So mm-hmm. it's like I'm still gonna charge you for those that. Right. And that expertise, like, and again, that's a self-value, mm-hmm. self-worth, self-confidence discussion, even in your own mind, right? Because I'm not billing you for two hours. I'm billing you for all of my, my whole brain, right. <laughs> my <Yes>. whole mind. <laughs> yeah. Because I get better and better at it. Exactly. Yeah. And as time goes on, that's why it makes sense. Like our prices yeah. have to increase because we're, we're inherently better, right? Like yeah. what I would charge a year ago versus now is completely different. It is. That's
0: right. I have clients that hire me year after year. And by that time, I'm raising my price 20 or 25%. Yeah. Usually uh, out of respect for them, I don't charge like the whole 100% if I've raised it that much. Cause I've done that in the past just out of respect for mm-hmm. them, but I also have a, a speaker's fee. So when I'm on the floor, I'm in front of the audience, I'm teaching something or speaking. That's one fee. And then I have a consulting fee. Yeah. So two separate
1: fees. See, that's good yeah. is to have that. Amount kind of quantified in your mind already, or maybe quite literally in a spreadsheet, if you yeah. like me. Yeah, <laughs>
0: if yeah. you like me, mine's probably not as pretty <laughs> as yours.
1: <laughs> yours oh, is probably much better looking, but oh, uh, but I do have fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, what would you say are some tips as we close out for women to to be more confident in negotiating? Like, what does it take?
1: Mm. I think I was listening to your. Podcast when you're like, okay, look in the mirror and talk to yourself and, you know, tell yourself that you are worthy, that you are, you know, loved that all of that kind of stuff. So I think there's a huge self-confidence piece in being successful at negotiating and maybe I'm super arrogant and that's why I'm good at negotiating because I, I've walked through my life very confidently, for I don't know where it comes from. but air, I'm a little bit arrogant, and I I really just walk through the world with the like a mediocre white guy. You know, like, that's how I ask for stuff. I that's, I have that same audacity, that same nerve as a mediocre white guy. Um, but yeah, tips for negotiating like power is in the prep. So know yourself. Again, it's like that confidence piece, but also know. What you bring to the table, and also know all of the pieces that you want to negotiate. Like, what's important to you? Is the dollar amount important to you? Okay. Maybe there's something else that you can negotiate outside of that. So, like in the salary example, maybe it's um, vacation time or in a speaking engagement, maybe it's, I don't know, like a donation to social media. Time else. Is, social media is time. one that I use. Yeah. Like you can't
0: pay my full P. I want you to post about me at the event as yeah. many times.
1: Yeah. And again, there's a lot mm-hmm. of. A lot of power in that preparation so that when you're in these discussions negotiating, just as you like almost in this example very quickly, it's like, okay, well, if you can't meet my fee, how about this instead? So, having those extras outside of dollars to (laughs) readily negotiate um, when you need to, I think is also, again, one of those pieces that are. Going to help you be successful in negotiating, and also too when you're negotiating something in person or on the phone or whatever, you're almost already putting them on the spot for something like that. It's like, well, okay, I, you can't meet me here, so how about this, right? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, it's it's a little bit harder for people to say no. Mm-hmm. So there's that like the preparation side of things, but then also trying to do your homework on them, right? So like, what is their mission and vision and goals and what is the point of this event and how can you frame whatever it is that you're asking for in a way that's beneficial to them. It's like, yeah, you know, here's my fee for this. And I really think the, the talk that I'm putting together is, um, you know, for me to put that on, that's, that's what it's going to take to, to do this. And I know that it's going to bring this very specific value point to your members, right? And that's kind of compelling, right? When you can tie it back to whatever it is their goals are. So anytime I can frame something in someone else's point of mind, Mm -hmm. like people are very self-centered. They don't care about you. They care about their Mm -hmm. own things. So anytime you can frame things in what they want, like prepare for who you think they are Mm -hmm. and what motivates them, what makes them tick and then frame what you're asking for in those terms. Right. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to ask for what I need. I'm just going to say it in a way that's like, right it's good for you actually right and then yeah ask for what you deserve and then add tax (laughs) add tax like oh my god that one I'm just like oh yeah I forget there's tax wow that's incredible okay but the last one the last one is know when to walk away I know that's powerful you're right you, and like that's exactly. in knowing yourself too, is know when to walk away. Like there is going to be a certain dollar amount or a certain, whatever, whatever yeah. that threshold is, know exactly when you're going to walk away. And then sometimes mm-hmm. when you communicate that, it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. it looks like we're not going to meet in a place that works for both of us. So I'm going to have to decline this speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. That is also very powerful. And you know, whoever you're talking to might go back to their boss or whoever and go, Oh my God, we just lost her. Right. We need to get more dollars. How can we make this work? Right? Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah, you have to know when to walk away.
0: So unfortunately, we do have to end the podcast. No, never end it. Forever. But but that is really incredible. Thank you so much. You're a fucking badass. <laughs> this is I'm so, so fucking cool. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Thank you so much. So much fun. Good Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Miigwech. Ego se. Merci. Please don't leave without hearing me tell you that you are worthy and your time is worthy, which is why I'm so happy you chose to listen to this podcast. If there was something in this message that resonated with you, please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story and tag me at jessicadumas01. Because if you found this helpful, your friends and your cousins will want to know about it. Until next time, decide you are worthy of what you want and go get it.